Corporate Unplugged opens the door to a world of people transforming business. They share their dreams, their experiences, and what they would never give up. I'm so glad to have um, Laurent Lexel here with me from Stockholm. Welcome to my podcast, Larry. Thank you very much, Vesna. Laurent Lexel is an international business leader and entrepreneur. And uh, while he was still a student at the Stockholm School of Economics, he founded Electa together with his father, Lars Lexel, the inventor of the Gamma Knife. And today, Electa is a global company that is pushing the boundaries of radiation therapy to improve access for advanced, high-quality cancer care. Uh, he's the chairman of the board and the principal shareholder of Electa. So, Larry, as everybody is calling yes, you, right? absolutely. Larry, once Picasso said that everything you can imagine is real, what do you think about that? I think, uh, I think there are no limits to human ingenuity, our capacity to change. This is usually our uh, maybe traditions or the education or societal context, you know, that creates the limits. And I think that has been proven uh, over and over again. Mm. It, things are doable, you know. But then, of course, obviously you need guts. You need uh, sometimes to be uh, wild, so to say, right? Yeah. Willing to take risk. So there's a lot of things that, that is required to live your imagination, you know, and there is a lot of, of barriers to it as well, not at least from a societal standpoint, you know. And and it varies, of course, from society to society. You know, up here in the in the north, we are a little more, I mean, we have a rather good democratic tradition, there is a lot of larger freedom, but you have countries, you know, we have serious, serious limitations. I mean, take female mm-hmm. uh, women's rights in the uh, Middle East, right? Yeah. I mean, it's society who sets the barriers there to uh, female entrepreneurship or female uh, expression expression in art or so forth, you know. And China, unfortunately, having such a strong old culture is going also in the wrong direction. And that's 1.2 billion people, you know, so it's quite a big chunk of our, of our human life, right? But I think Picasso is, is, uh, is right. But it's, I would say also at the same time, it's sometimes easier said than done. With life experience, you yeah, can yeah, say exactly, that. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but your life is is dedicated to um, to solutions for cancer care and brain disorders and 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 I mean it's a meaningful mission to say the least of course. But I read up a little bit on your website and and saw that there are 24 million new cancer cases around the world predicted in the coming 10 years, and uh, more or less nine million people that die from cancer every year. So I'm thinking, of course, there is this increase driven by age aging, of course. But why? Why so much cancer? There are a a number of reasons, you know. I mean, one is uh, the fact of demographics, right? That uh, demographic cancer is an age-related disease. And uh, so when when the world gets older, by default, we will have more cancers. But then you have a couple of other things, you know, historically, you know, we didn't know so much about cancer. Today, we have a much more conscious patient population. We have better educated doctors. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we have some testing, you know, mammography or PSA tests for, for boys and so forth, you know. So, so we, we spot cancer today 
in a much higher uh, degree than before. Mm. And there you have also, <clears throat> which is more unknown, you have a lot of, of environmental and lifestyle issues that influences this, you know. We have become more sedentary, we have, uh, it could be our food, you know, I mean, we have environmental challenges, etc., etc., smoking, a lot of things that comes mm. from, from a, a higher living standard mm. that also induces cancers, right? So, so I think that's, unfortunately, you know, it's here to stay. It will continue to grow. And we have also made fantastic progress, you know. So while cancer, if you ask, like 20, 30 years ago, I mean, that, 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 then the word, the big C, you know, that was felt, you know, around us, you know, as a death sentence. Today it's not, you know. So the average survival rate is 50%, if you take, right? Then it varies which type of cancer you have. But everything relies on, on early detection and early treatment, you know. So, so And cancer, we see it as a disease, but it's actually ourselves, you know. It, it's, 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 usually when we talk about disease, we think about something, I mean, take COVID-19, something from the outside, you know, that hits us. But cancer is us, you know, it's ourselves. And they go a little ballistic, you know, and that's yeah. cancer, right? So, mm-hmm. so uh, then out of these uh, 24 million uh, new cases, it's worth saying, you know, that's the incidence, that's the new cases coming every year. But if you consider, you know, that you have 50% uh, survival rate, mm-hmm. you have a huge, that's basically then 10 million, 12 million people every year, right? Mm-hmm. That gets uh, cured, but needs to be followed up and have a very high likelihood that's at a later stage in life to get the secondary cancer, mm-hmm. either in form of, of uh, either the same or a totally unrelated cancer. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the prevalence of cancer that needs to be taken care of and followed up, etc., etc., is huge, much higher than the incidence. And this provides, makes cancer today, I mean, basically the, the biggest burden, healthcare burden in societies. So if you ask, there are three, three diseases, you know, non, all, the whole global health issue has changed from communicable diseases to non-communicable diseases. And there are basically three non-communicable diseases that dominate, right? That's cardiovascular, that's actually on its way back. And, and cancer going up, you know, and then diabetes, those three. And of which, of which, of course, cancer is potentially the most lethal one. And the one that creates most discontinuity, right? Because it affects so many people, loved ones, relatives, you mean, uh, friends, etc., etc. So we unfortunately here to stay, you know, and, and it continues to grow. So it's a big, big challenge. And I know that you as a company are fighting very much to give as much you know, access to all people who need it uh, as possible. Um, but there are like 50% of cancer patients that need radiotherapy, but it's available only to around 20% of the world's population. So what, what can you do to influence this? We as, as one of the largest suppliers of the most so say, important uh, tool or, or bullet we have against cancer, Radiation therapy, you know, you have three bullets, you know, you, you can either irradiate, you know, and kill it, kill the cancer with radiation, you can try to cut it out, right, surgical oncology as called, or, you know, if it has spread, right, or if you're, if you're, you're afraid that it has spread, you give chemotherapy, you know, for diffuse uh, disease. Usually you combine all three, so it's a very complex treatment process. And, uh, but we are focused on the radiation therapy piece. 
And like, like you said, you know, 80% of the world's capacity is in 20% uh, of the countries, you know. I mean, that's basically the Western world. Mm-hmm. Today, more people die of cancer in Africa than AIDS, pneumonia, right, or tuberculosis, etc., and, and malaria combined. There are two uh, barriers. One is human resources, right? Lack of, of uh, professionals. And the other one, potentially a little less so, but lack of capital. So our response to that is, is rather straightforward. You know, first of all, you know, we, we need to automate as much as we can, right? The machines, which we do, right? You start to use AI, machine learning and such uh, tools, thereby facilitating the, the process and also improve the productivity of, of, of the equipment mm-hmm. and then provide, of course, lots of services, you know, to facilitate. It could be cloud-based uh, planning tools, quality assurance tools, etc., etc. And on the other hand, you know, is, is this continuous drive for, for uh, cost reduction, right, to make it as affordable as possible, without compromising patient safety or quality of uh, care. So I think those are the, the two most important ingredients in, 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 in the cocktail. And maybe you could ask also training and education, right, that we, we provide to our customers, particularly in emerging markets. Working with meaningful things is, gives you so much more... Um energy and, and is a source of creativity and innovation as well. It's yeah, absolutely. It's very high tech, you know, and and, mm. uh, and it helps, it helps, you know, to, uh, at least it helps me to keep motivated, you know, we, are, we live in a world which has become so materialistic, right, and, and individualistic, right, not the least the Western world. So there is a lack of consciousness, you know, and, and uh, engagement. And of course, if you do something, you know, that you can touch and feel and you can see the result, Versus, for example, you know, financial markets, which is, of course, very important, you know, but it's a very abstract product, you know. Which actually brings me to um, the fact that you also have um, bonded capital, uh, your your family-owned investment company. Uh, what is your, your purpose with, with Bonnet, actually? I've been fortunate over the years, you know, to accumulate a certain amount of wealth. And, and, and wealth is, is a plague, you know, because as soon as you have it, you know, you get other problems. You need kind of to take, take responsibly care of it, you know. We have started in Sweden the first uh, impact, social impact investing arm, you know. So, so we have a substantial philanthropic activity in bonus capital and uh, supporting uh, new you know, social innovations. And, and Bonnet, we call Excel Social Ventures. And Excel Social Ventures is totally focused on Sweden. While Electa, you know, we have a global footprint. There's huge needs, surprisingly enough, in Sweden. You know, we have a growing uh, amount of deprived people. You have a social exclusion, which is uh, rampant. You know, and you see that, you know, in, in, in uh, everything from education to crime to... Uh, uh, unemployment, youth, youth unemployment in, in deprived groups of the society. And that is obviously something, you know, that is a type of cancer in any society, right? And, and it creates such a huge inequality. And with that, with that inequality, you know, it becomes also a lot of tensions. Basically, we finance, right? We don't execute. 
So we have partners, could be an NGO, could be a government uh, office, you know, or it could be a commune in Sweden or a county, etc., etc. And we work on, on uh, health, social exclusion, right? striving to some more social inclusion and uh, youth unemployment and education. And you, you're personally pretty involved in this. Uh, Very well. much so. That's, that's much more fun than the other stuff <laughs> when it's capital. <laughs> so, but what is your uh, your passion, that thing that comes from patire, you know, that thing that you're also willing to suffer for if you needed? Know, I would say without any order of priority, social impact investing is an interesting field, you know. It's not just the giving. Mm. Right, you 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 expect you know that it's scalable, that it has a measurable impact, you know that it reaches sufficiently deep or sufficiently uh, broad to many, you know, mm. and you also want it to be economically viable. Mm. That's not not always an easy cocktail. Those mm. three, you know, the first two is is fine, you know, but economic viability. That means, for example, financing a social uh, enterprise or a social entrepreneur, etc., etc. But it it's a great passion of mine, you know, and I think we we are making very good progress on it, you know. Mm. And uh, then the other thing, you know, is is art, you know. I'm a big consumer, you know. I wouldn't call myself a collector. That is rather pretentious. You know, I mean, like consuming, particularly contemporary art. And art gives me a little kind of a, an escape into a kind of fantasy, you know. It, it 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 forces you to think through, you know. And contemporary artists, as we live same period, so to say, they see things, you know, that we don't see yet. Whichever expression they may have, you know, there is something there, you know, and, and 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 that engages me a lot, and I waste a lot of money on it. And the last one is is entrepreneurship, you know, to to, to be able to change or be able to build, you know, and and uh, and with entrepreneurship is you know equally exciting with entrepreneurship, is both the success and the failure. And with entrepreneurship, if there's anything you like to characterize entrepreneurship with. Right, or having your own company, that is like a chronic anxiety. Right? And then you have to live with that chronic anxiety and you have to master it. Right? And, and, uh, how, do you, how do you do that? I mean, you, 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 you learn how to do it, you know, and, and it really comes by having rational expectations. You know, mm. and not emotional. Many entrepreneurs have emotional ex- expectations, mm. but if you have rational expectations, then you, 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 you and self-criticism. Then you know, I mean, this is not so good, you know. And you learn by doing, and then you actually, at a certain point, I mean, it doesn't take away your anxiety, but you start to control it, you know, and you start to, to direct it into more, into productive force, mm. right? Because the, uh, yeah, it becomes a drive, you know, rather than a hindrance. And and you, you learn also, you know, it's a little like playing football, you know. You, you don't waste time thinking where the ball was uh, before. I mean, you have to play it where it is now. So that, I think, are my three uh, passions, of course, except my family and my loved ones, you know. That's a lot of things. Uh, but it's interesting you mentioned this, um, that part that is art, which is in a way also an expression of something that we, I think, sometimes forget about as the true gift we all have. And that's the intuitive mind, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. And, and that's something that is, in a way, built into different expressions of art yeah, and, and so and, on. And, you know, building a company is a rather... Uh, straightforward thing actually you know I mean I mean it's a lot of twists and turns of course in in, in, a, in a corporate journey but there, there is relatively easy measurable end results of success and failure 
and it's rather material by, by definition, you know. It could be more of, of something else. Yeah, yeah, well, obviously, you know, but if you are uh, at one point in time, I mean, you, you, you have to survive, you have to make a certain amount of money, you know, you have to be able to invest and invest wisely, et cetera, et cetera. You need to, to, to take care of your employees, your customers. So it's relatively, I would say, I mean, it's not trivial, you know, but it, it's, 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 it's relatively straightforward, right? The variables. Right, the parameters that you need to manage, and 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 then you look at the uh, elector. We are, I mean, it's rather technical, you know. It's a very very difficult disease. You know, nobody really knows enough about it, and the methods, you know, to to master that disease, right, as as well as we possibly we can, as we possibly can, is 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 rather technical, right, and and this rather scientific approach. But art is something totally different. Art and culture is something totally different, you know. It forces you to think along new lines of thought. It's intuitive, like you say. It is, uh, I mean, it's fascinating. It, it's, uh, it creates a lot of questions, etc., etc. You know, and, and that's true for most cultural expressions. I have a very bad ear, you know, so I cannot feel the same with music. But you take art or literature or uh, theater, etc., it's the same thing. You go into theater, you sit there, you're in a totally different dimension. And then you're back, into, back in, uh, <laughs> to square one when you exit, right? Yeah. But it lingers with you. How do you find the art that you enjoy? Is it like a, more of a I stumble over things process or is it something more... No, I, I mean, I'm very spontaneous, you know, and, and I'm not very... I don't bother about inter to, to intellectualize art, you know, but when you ask the artist, you know, well, well, what is the meaning with this? Don't ask me, you know, most of them say, you know, because it is intuitive, you know. Most of us have different, you could say, transformational points in our life that have influenced us more than others. Are there any of those you want to share? Yeah, I know. I think, you know, obviously for most of us, if not for all of us, setting up a family is, is truly formative. Right, because uh, including like forging relationships with your loved ones, you know, beloved ones, and 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 uh, usually it comes in a period of our lives, you know, when we have had full independence, you know, and all of a sudden you have to start to, uh, I mean, uh, caring and just that caring, and 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 the uh, responsibility. I found I found that very formative and actually life uh, changing, and it continues, you know, it's, it's never over, you know because it's such a dynamic relationship in a family, you know. And and the, the kids grow up, you know, and, and the, you need to keep tight with your wife and your husband, you know. And, and I've been married now for more than 40 years, right? We, we, so I have high, we were high school lovers, right, Marianne <laughs> and I. So, so I, and now we have four kids, you know. So that was, yeah. uh, I think, a big one, you know. I ended up in academia, you know, a little more by default than by design, because I, I, after I graduated, you know, I tried to, to, to apply for some jobs, but nobody really wanted to have me, you know, and I didn't have any money, you know, so then I went to my professor, and then he suggested that I should start uh, my doctoral student studies, you know, and I said, I'm okay, better than nothing, nothing, you know, so I got 3,000 crowns a month as, as a PhD student, and then, you know, I, I, I had no intention of, of uh, okay, I, I do the three, four years, you know, uh, and then I take my PhD. But, you know, I ended up staying in academia for 12 years. 
and, and the, doing research in Sweden. I was at the business school outside Paris, at Ilsjad. I was at Harvard. I was at University of Hawaii, etc., etc. You know, and 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 the part of that was also executive education. So I left academia eighty one, eighty two. We got started to get our first kids. I said, you know, even when I became a professor, you know, full professor, I I ain't gonna be able to provide for my family the way I wanted. So I said, I need to do something else. So then I started a consulting company and some other companies. And then you know this little elector was trotting along. And then '86, we had like maybe two hundred thousand dollars in revenue at that time. Then I decided to go full swing. And see if I could build. My father passed away. See if I could build an international uh, med tech. Mm-hmm. So it was mostly professional challenge from this academic uh, and consulting uh, activity, mm-hmm. now, where, where you provide a lot of advice, you know, but you're never forced to actually execute on them. Right? <laughs> <That's it. laughs> and 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 the, uh, and the consulting company it was a big move because the consulting company. I mean, we, we ended up after three, four years having 150 consultants, you know. And for the first time in my life, you know, I started to really make good money, you know. And, and, and I learned how to charge high. And, and surprisingly enough, you know, clients were stupid enough to pay me that. Right? So, so it was a, 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 a really good. So, and then, of course, I have to step back, you know, economically and so forth. But, but then I said, okay, let's try it out, you know. And then well, I've been with, with Electa since full-time since 86. Mm. So your father didn't see... No. no Elector no. growing in no, that sense. No, no. Of course, maybe he does no, in he another way, it. right? <laughs> and he was not really interested in the business. No, he was only interested in the research. He in was a research. fantastic researcher. Yeah. And, and uh, clinician. He was professor, a neurosurgeon, right? So he was a professor in neurosurgery. Wow. But if you think about um, companies and businesses in general as more of as an, as an instrument, is there something that you could say is a long-term solution for businesses? You know, some kind of common denominator for all that you believe in? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think, you know, I mean, on an individual point of view, you know, I mean, any business is like any social uh, organism, you know. I mean, it's a group of people that are sitting down and trying to do achieve something together, you know, bound by some form, form of common purpose. Family is the same in a different context. You know, government is the same, a little more complex, right? <laughs> NGO is the same. What I think is, is, is the core also in order to be successful on an individual basis, that is to have a clear vision. And then, obviously, you know, one of the most difficult things is to prioritize. So you have, and, and then you have to prioritize in a very responsible manner. And from an entrepreneur standpoint, today, you know, entrepreneurship is associated with enrichment. Right? And, and we get influenced by the tech companies, you know, the Googles and the Musks and, and so forth, you know. But it's not about that, you know, really. It's entrepreneurship. If you want to be successful, you know, you have to have an idea, mm-hmm. you have to have a vision, and you have to, to, to uh, be very humble, which is not necessarily a, a characteristic of an entrepreneur, you know. Mm-hmm. Entrepreneurship is, uh, to some extent, you have to be a little egomaniac as well, mm-hmm. right? Because of the anxiety and this is so much hard work mm-hmm. to succeed. You have to be very adaptive because basically, it's, even if you stick to your vision, the journey, right, mm-hmm. is never a straight road. You have to learn how to go backwards, little forwards, left, right, center, you know, and then back on the track, you know, and oh shit, it didn't work out. So I, have, I have to go a little outside the track, you know, and find another uh, route in, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so it's basically uh, vision, 
I would say humbleness or self-criticism, you know, a willing to change and adapt, and then capacity to, to respect, attract respect and, and learn from others as, mm-hmm. a, as a source of energy. Mm-hmm. And then you really have to have a family, you know, who supports you. So, so you don't get torn between your, your private and professional life because it takes so much um, energy out of you, you know. And um, when you look at this, let's say, dream or the vision, so to say, if that vision is, so to say, the boss of the company, then things take uh, getting to a natural good flow normally. Uh, exactly. Uh, it's easier, of course, if you have a, your heart in it, you know. So it's not just yeah. a, a, a pure professional undertaking. But you have to be professional, you know. I mean, you have to understand, you know, how to build an organization. You have to understand, I mean, that now I need to improve governance or now I have to, to, to strengthen uh, the people's side or etc., etc. right? And I, I was helped by the fact, you know, that I had this academic background, you know, so <clears throat> an international experience, you know, so I was not... Afraid, you know. I was young, you know, at that time. You know, I was uh, late twenties, early thirties, and and but uh, you know, I went everywhere, you know, Japan, United States, and setting up offices and so forth, you know, and and uh, so I really didn't feel any kind of uh, barrier, except money, of course. You know, that's always a barrier entrepreneurship. But then, you know, I raised funding. You know, my first uh, external investors were Japanese. Right. It was not like a Swedish venture capital. You never went with venture capital. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then we had the U.S. pension funds. If you would assume that you have a lot of doors open to you and a lot of resources, is that not the issue at all? What would you then like rush to innovate or change, you know, be it in your world uh, where you operate right now or, or outside of that? I, I would definitely focus on what we talked initially about, you know, of, of access to cancer care. It, it's it's super meaningful. It's super discontinuous. You know, it's a it's, it's a huge. I mean, not to talk about the individual suffering, but it, it it's also a huge global uh, challenge. It affects so many. So it's basically how, how do you expand that? If I had or uh, we had unlimited resources. I would just spend it on innovation, left, right, and center, and and uh, customer support. And there is <clears throat> so many opportunities, so so there is no real limit, mm-hmm. right? and it's also measurable, right? If you do good or not. Is there any particular piece of advice um, that you want to give to to leaders, however you choose to define them? No, I think it, it, maybe it's a little preposterous, you know, to do that, you know, because I think leadership is a contextual. You need to understand in which context you work, you know, and you have to adapt your leadership to that context. Mm-hmm. So there is no, there is not a single recipe. Leadership is, is is contextual, but I think there is a one common element in good leaders leadership. You know, it's not competence. It's not necessarily experience because it, the context could vary, situation could vary, you know, so you have to adapt. Sometimes you have to be direct, sometimes you have to be uh, doing a totally different fashion, you have to understand when you have to stand back. When you, you have to understand when you, it's important that you're in the front. Mm-hmm. But if there is any common denominator, I would say it is really to stick, understand and stick to your values. Mm-hmm. Right? So say live your values. That creates consistency and facilitates also the expectations of you as a leader because more, it becomes more transparent, 
and then just secure, you know, that, that these values are, are, are so say, executed in a mature fashion, responsible and mature fashion. If you take those ingredients, you know, you can nav- navigate most of the context. Absolutely, I totally agree. And the power of, in general, I think, life experience. And, and, and with experience, you know, you, you start to learn the importance of it, you know. The reality of the matter that people matters. Absolutely. So ultimately, any context is a group of individuals. Mm. And, and, and leadership is the interaction with such a group. And uh, looking back, maybe, I don't know, 15 or something years ago for you, is there anything that you would have, you know, given yourself an advice? As I'm a little of an activist, right, and I go back to you, I believe things could be done. And I have a desire, you know, that's maybe my egocentric uh, side, you know. I have a certain uh, ambition and and, and, and drive to try to make a difference. Right? Sometimes that's naive. I have to be aware of that. But there is also a wise naivety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 but, but it's a good drive because it makes you a little kind of more uh, daring, will a little more willing to take uh, risks. But if there's any kind of advice I would give myself you know, retrospectively now, given that I'm coming start to become a little like an autumn sun, as we call it, you know, that is, is uh, sometimes it's worthwhile to be more patient. Patience is a virtue. With yourself and with others? With myself, you know. Don't, don't always try to rush ahead, you know, and, 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 and uh, so reflect a little, you know, and mm-hmm. just don't do anything, you know. Then most, most issues passes away. <laughs> right. Even problems, you know. Yeah, exactly. Or so, at so, least they transform yeah, into something else. I mean, this, else. this famous, very simplistic saying, you know, sleep, let's sleep on the matter. is <laughs> actually quite a good advice. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what nature is, you know. I mean, nature is patient. It mm-hmm. flows. And it finds, finds new ways. And then it finds new ways, you know, uh, uh, like a water stream. What do you think is the most, most important thing for companies to focus on right Now. I think in, in, in uh, today's world, mm-hmm. we are in a situation, I would call it like a post-capitalistic society. There is change in the air. Uh, so I feel very fortunate to live in this period. I was just thinking, what would Larry have been if I lived in the medieval times in, in Florence, you know? Right? <laughs> Or how would that look like, right? But, but, you know, it is a little like the, the Renaissance times. Everybody knew that something is changing, all of us middle in the midst of it, but we don't really know what it is. And it's not along the traditional, I mean, if you look at politics, it's not left or right, you know, it's, it's too no. simple. It's to- something totally different, right? Mm. Human interaction, you know, this kind of globalization, there's so much things, you know, and, 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 and it, it, I think you find it super exciting. What I think is... is um, core thing for, for corporations today is to understand and to be able to balance stakeholders. Now, we, have, we have been in a period now um, since the 70s, 80s, if you take boards, shareholder value concept, for example. I mean, that's an anom- anomaly, you know, it, it, yeah. it, 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 it's bullshit, you know. So it is, it's, it's stakeholders, I mean, it's our customers, it's our employees, it is obviously our financial stakeholders, but society. And the capacity of navigating mm-hmm. along this, you know, and, 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 and to meet and exceed expectations on your stakeholders, that I think is a recipe for, for uh, futures and, and continuous success. It's, it's a question then of, of, of um, responsibility and consistency. 
in, in what you do. It's like really showing that you are for real. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, in, so, so in it's no magic about it, actually. You know, but it it, it so in one way it's trivial. You know, but in reality, if you see, you see corporations doing shortcuts when it comes to environment, or they hide certain things. When you talk about you know all these stakeholders around the table, one stakeholder obviously is the nature, and another one is the mm-hmm. future generations and young people today, and so on. Do you have any particular like advice or reflection to share with these you know young people who might be? 18, 15, 17, 20 years old today? Live your dreams, you know. Don't do it now in a manner, you know, where you only think of yourself. Because we are in a very individualistic, particularly Sweden, you know. It varies across countries. Italy is less so. I mean, Swedes has been uh, educated, you know, in our social democratic tradition, you know, that uh, worry about yourself. And we, 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 we secure, you know, the state will secure you. you. You don't have to worry about certain things, you know. Yeah, yeah. And of course, that, that's not sustainable. And I think the social problems we have here, you know, just shows that it's not sustainable. Yeah, it's not sustainable. It's not fun either because, in a way, people are never very seldom here, you know, asking anybody for any help until it's too late or something. Absolutely. And it creates an an enormous amount, particularly in urban areas, you know, an enormous amount of loneliness, which which is, is acute when you get older or elderly, you know. If there's any characteristic of being elderly in Sweden, that is to be alone. How can we take care of, uh, presuming that people are, you know, healthy in every way, post-65, so to say? We, there's going to be like some hybrid needed here, um, having these um, older people using their experience and wisdom and everything, but work less, but work longer, and then the other ones that can be a little bit mentored and at the same time... Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, you know, the, the, this kind of retirement system we have, you know, is it, it, uh, funny, you know, the first general retirement scheme in the world was made in Germany by Bismarck, you know, in the end of the 19th century. And then uh, uh, Sweden uh, uh, introduced a retirement pension system, a public pension system. I think it was somewhere around 1910, 1920. And then, you know, over the years, now then they, of course they had to set the retirement age. Mm-hmm. When should you get this? Right? And, and then I think it was like in the 20s or something like that. It was okay, we set it to 65 years. But then average life expectancy in Sweden was like 52. Right? So the politicians said, said hey, that's good, it ain't going to cost us anything. You know? <laughs> now, 2020, we have 65 years, you know, but life expectancy is 83. In most countries, Italy has the same, yeah, yeah, France has the same, mm-hmm. right? So it's a big challenge, you know. Mm-hmm. And then when you start to change, oh, no, we are, we are, we're going to move it to 70, you know, then everybody cries foul to play, right? <laughs> and you get a lot of uh, flack, you know, labor unions, etc., etc. So, so it is, uh, but it will have to change, right? Because uh, we need to incentivize these uh, competent uh, geriatrics, if I call it like that, as long as they want to work, of course, you know, not yeah, for, not yeah. in the forced way. But many perceive it also as if they are taking the space of the young ones, of course, that also need to get in, you know, so as if as if sure, there is a lack sure. of total... I think we need to can expand the whole pie of opportunities. Absolutely. I mean, that's the way, you know, that's why my economic growth and is necessary and the idea you know that we start with four days week uh, working week for example that is in some quarters uh, be, being touted you know i mean that's obviously not the solution either you know 
we need to increase the pie, but we need to, to increase it maybe a little more sustainably than we have done. And that's possible. Mm-hmm. There's no magic with that, you know. It's, 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 it's a matter of our priorities and investments and so forth, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, renewable energy is a good point, you know. I mean, the oil price, you know, will never get back to uh, heydays, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I, 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 if you take a country like Kuwait, which is super wealthy, they are running out of money government budget, you know, because of the oil price, you know. So, so, so they sell oil at, at a price that is lower than the cost to produce, and they have 70% of their population as government employees. Now they have a big sovereign fund, you know, so they can, they can take money from the sovereign fund, but that, that ain't going to last for, uh, forever, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it, it, it's a huge change. Overall, I would say I would love people to become more creators than consumers, let's say. Absolutely. Because we Absolutely. become consumers. And I think the young generation will go in that direction, you know. Finally, what do you think the world needs most? Global consciousness. And with that also some form of sense of global responsibility and engagement. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a big challenge today, you know. I think that, uh, that we, we stick to our nation states, right? And, and, and everybody thinks of oneself. I'm the only one who thinks of myself type. And then we need much, much better, stronger leadership, you know, if democracies is going to survive. So, so if you look around, you know, one thing that makes me worry, you know, you have too many small people in two big positions at the moment. So I think we, we, we are vulnerable, actually, we're very vulnerable at the moment, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and the lack of leadership is... is uh, very obvious for most of us. I mean, if you take any country political leadership, I mean, take in Italy, you know, the respect for the political leaders. Here in Sweden, also the respect is, is going down, you know. The United States totally polarized, you know, mm-hmm. creating vacuum opportunities for, for I mean, like Lukashenko now or, or Erdogan or, mm-hmm. you know. So, so, so it's on its way back, you know. So, so, so uh, it's going backwards. And, and, uh, and, and, and when resources get scarce, which they will, Whatever it is, you know, uh, uh, water or, or uh, economy or uh, spending possibilities yeah. and government deficits and so forth, you know, tensions will increase. Yeah, and that's maybe around the corner given the, you know, the situation. But, um, But I'm still optimistic, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's no reason of being a pessimist, you know, and, and, and the world is, is superbly fit, you know, to learn by doing including by doing mistakes, you know. So mm-hmm. there's always some correction mm-hmm. that will occur. Mm. I would love to see leaders coming up that are genuine, truly, um, you know, fighting for the right things that is good for all because we're all, you know, the same, a drop in the same ocean, so to say. So, you know, yeah. that have that within them that they can start a sentence and say, I have a dream and have people yeah, get on board yeah, on that dream. It is Where a little mi- missing, you know, and I don't think it, is, not, it has nothing to do with the individual because I think they really want to do, if you, if you take, make a political career, you know, it's not the only question of trying to kind of amass power as well. You, you have an engagement, you know, otherwise you wouldn't be it, you know, because many of them are like broilers, you know, not least in Sweden, no? they spend their whole life in making a political career, you know, as with relatively small means, you know, and, and um, then Italian senator is a little different, you know, he, he or she never wants to leave her job, you know, but their job, you know, <laughs> for good reasons maybe, but for personal good reasons.
in order to engage people, you know, you need to have a vision that you can get people behind. But many systems are, are so kind of circumventing, you know, the capacity of doing that. So many, I mean, it's very complex systems, you know, so, so many power centers and so forth, you know. So even if you if you have a vision, you know, and, and you want to live it, you know, you get encroached, right? So there's a lot of encroachments in, in today's societies. And this, in one way, is a little strength, you know, that uh, I definitely don't admire it because it is going in the wrong direction. But if you take the Chinese model, you know, there's no encroachment. But democracy, by design, is a matter of check and balance and encroachment. Thank you so much, Larry. Thanks for, for sharing everything, really. To find out more, uh, you could help head to electa.com and also bonnetcapital.com. And you will also find links in show notes on corporateunplugged.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify and Acast and share this episode with people you know would benefit from hearing Larry. Please rate and review this podcast if you enjoyed it. And thanks so, so much for listening. And until next time, live with purpose and remember to unplug. Ciao. Thanks. Ciao. Grazie.